0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: The Pride to Detroit PODcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each 2-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the P.O.D. cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Gentlemen, welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Pride dot com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. Before we get to anything, though, I
0: let me ladle this uh, McFlurry on here. Come on, get off the spoon. Do you have yours, Ryan? I do. I do have mine. But for the okay. people who are listening at home, Chris is putting uh, McFlurry on a burger per instruction. On a McDouble. From, on a McDouble.
1: Yeah. Per instruction. From one Jamison Williams, who caught a touchdown that helped start up the Lions come back in this game as they came back from down 26 to 14 to win 31-26 over the stinky ass, miserable, stupid Bears. And for that, I raised this burger, which is now dripping with melting
2: oh <laughs> Oreo McFlurry. <laughs> <laughs> Please eat it. Just eat the damn right, thing. Ah. <clears throat> Where's yours, Ryan? Eat it. I'll wait for the break.
0: I'll oh, wait for the break.
2: You're no, just gonna wait for it to melt. Wow. All right. I can barely taste the McFlurry in it. Mm.
0: In I hope the it meantime, was a great today. okay.
2: All right. We don't. We don't need you to talk through it. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, since <laughs> I'm eating this burb, Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader at Detroit Online. I'm Christopher Fett right. at Christopher Fett on Twitter. Jeremy Reisman is at Detroit Online. Ryan Matthews, the Rock God. At Ryan underscore POD, Jeremy, Im- immediate thoughts from a Lions comeback victory, which before this game, I think on our last podcast, I said the last box I wanted checked off from the Lions was to see if they could pull themselves out of a hole. We'll have more <laughs> well, on that. But you start while I eat this this uh, this JMO order.
2: Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for mo- that monkey pawing, Chris. I would have preferred the, a comeback win against, I don't know, like the, co- the Cowboys or, <laughs> or something like that. Maybe not falling 12 points behind the Chicago Bears in the fourth quarter but listen I mean I I was trying to tell anyone who who would listen that the, the Chicago Bears were not going to be an easy out today I don't care if it was at home I don't care if it's coming off an emotional win divisional game. against divisional the Chargers game. it's a divisional game but but more than that this Bears team is not bad they're they're a good defensive football team they can stop the run they can run the ball and and I think the most shocking part about the game is that if you're talking about conventional run games the Lions actually, did run the ball quite well, and they did stop the run quite well when it comes to the running backs, and yet still found themselves in a, in a humongous hole. And so, I don't know, on a, on a day in which your, your defense gives up some big plays, on a, a day in which Jared Goff just completely loses his mind and, and throws three interceptions for the first time in his Lions career, if you can survive all of that and come out on the other end with a win, celebrate it. And I know there are going to be Lions fans that are like, I don't know, this team doesn't look very good. Whatever, Celebrate it. The team is eight and two. It's first time since nineteen sixty two. It's and and listen, like wins just don't come easy in this league. A lot of good teams lose to bad teams. It happens, and the lines avoided that happening today. So celebrate. Let out a Dan Campbell primal scream.
0: Yeah.
2: Eat eat your McDoubles with McFlurries all over it.
0: Yeah, celebrate accordingly. <laughs> Final verdict, Ryan, have you taken a bite yet? I have. I kombucha grilled it a little bit, but I mean, (laughs) honestly, like, I mean, what's bad about it? You know what I mean? It's a cheeseburger. It's an Oreo McFlurry. Um, I guess a lot like the Lions win today, even though it's messy and gross and for all intents and purposes, doesn't make sense. Shouldn't make any sense. Certainly not good for anybody's health. Right. But you know what? (laughs)
1: We're having a good time. <laughs> go nuts every now and then. Go nuts every now and then. Be yourself. Be your best self. Right, Ryan? That was that was poetic. That was poetic. The Thank Lions, you. we were prepared to do something very different, I'm sure. I'm sure Lions fans had a lot of something to say very different. And I think some of those complaints maybe don't go away. I still think even in a loss, some of those complaints would have been overblown or maybe going to the right, the wrong person. Yes, the defense is struggling. Jared Goff also played one of his worst games, and the Lions were were minus four in the turnover battle. Minus two. Minus three up until the sack safety, strip sack safety. Correct. Three of those came from Jared Goff, one from Craig Reynolds on a kickoff return. Three interceptions from Jared Goff. And honestly, let's be honest, maybe you should have two more including one that Jalen Johnson could have picked and taken hundred yards the other way. Yep. But even with the lions offense, I mean, defense struggling to contain a revitalized Justin Fields who came back and immediately started hammering the ball <laughs> against one of the best run defenses in this league alongside the Detroit lions, along with Jared Goff, having probably the worst performance we have seen him have in the last two years, if not three years, the Lions still found a way to dig out from six feet under into this. My dad took his dog out to walk at three and a half minutes to go in this game and came back with the Lions winning. It was the last thing I really wanted to see the Lions do is come from behind in a match like this. And Jeremy, you said it. Divisional games are tough. They are rough. You see each other twice every year. They know you, you know them. And the Bears, Justin Fields, have done things these Lions teams in the past. I I know Lions fans see it as the Bears, and they suck. But a win is a win is a win. You're not trying to impress the AP poll. You're not going for style points. All that matters, you pick up the win. And I know some Lions fans were trying to come to me and say, like, well, now they've given up six consecutive drives in touchdowns. But that each game is a self-contained thing. There are some problems that carry over in between them. But the big thing for the Lions is you escape and add another win to the pile in a in a top heavy competitive division. You escape with that. And it really is an escape. You work on the problems you have on a short week and you just prepare to empty those mistakes and not have them show up again as you prepare for Thanksgiving. Now you've made some real, real Real headlines. Now you've shown the sparks. Now you've shown what Jared Goff can do with a short clock, what his offense can do with a short clock. The defense, if you want to criticize them, go ahead. But they turned around and stopped the the Bears on about, what was it, only five plays after that? And it's right back in the offense's hand. And what happens after that too? A strip sack safety to end the game for Aiden Hutchinson. Eight and two, you said it, Jeremy. Haven't
2: seen this in a long time long long time yeah no I mean I I don't I don't know what else to say man this this team I, I hate I hate to fall back on some like coach speak cliches but resilient is is the word of the day apparently and and yeah this team has been resilient Jared Goff is resilient and that's some that's the one thing that I think the Lions have have tried to tell us time and time again is that Jared Goff is a guy who may make mistakes. But he's typically not going to let them snowball, and and it looked like they were snowballing today. Admittedly, but the man goes ten of twelve in the final two drives of the game, one hundred plus yards and a touchdown. Just ice in his veins, man. Dialed Just in, a- absolutely, never wavered, never held his head down. None of that sort of stuff. And that's that's who he's been, really, since he's been here. You know that whether whether you're talking big picture, this team starts 010 and one, Jared Goff stays the same. Whether it's the next year, they start one and six. He has a bunch of turnovers. Jared Goff is the same. And so you get to this game through three and a half quarters. Jared Goff is the worst version of himself. Never thrown three interception as a Detroit line until today. And what does he do? Same guy. Yeah. And again, not all uh, of those, not all of
1: those interceptions were completely on him. There was that one that should have been PI. There was the pick play. What's that? Yes. Most of it was most of it was. I will not doubt that. Trust me. I think I'm not going to praise Jared Goff again, because apparently last time I finally broke down and praised Jared Goff last last game. And suddenly he's throwing three picks. But resilient is right, Ryan. And I hate to do this because I think it's a little unfair, but I do there's a, Is there still, Ryan, in that point in your mind where you sit there and think, and you scratch it and think, when we talk about the dichotomy of the Lions, the ontology of the Lions, we talk about years past, and it's hard to think of too many times where this happens, where the Lions just fall short of these kind of comebacks, that this team, so full of personality, so full of all leaders on all kinds of the ball, have that intangible to get themselves over these kind of humps. To like not count count themselves out in these kind of games and just show their show their fire when
0: it's all in the line. Yeah, I mean they 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 laid it all out there. I mean there, there was a point in the game, um, you know, right as the Lions got that ball back down, you know, down twelve and ninety eight point eight percent chance the Chicago Bears were going to win this football game. Um, you know, according to ESPN analytics and in the back of my mind and on twitter <laughs> i was openly opining there's a football game on thursday you know what i mean like th- th- there's part of me that was thinking big picture right cut your losses yeah but 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 this team refused to think beyond the uh the task at hand you know what i mean and and this this team you know a- as dan campbell said resilient resilient as hell man and you know, the last time that the Lions were, uh, I guess you can, I mean, consider them like the cardiac cats, right? You think all the way back to that 2016 season, right? Yep. I mean, where virtually every game was a come from behind victory. And let, let me tell you this, um, you know, to Jeremy's point earlier about the Chicago Bears being, you know, a pretty good defense, you know what I mean? In, in terms of their ability to stop the run, um, you know, they, they played Lions tough. They played them real tough today. and. Yep. I I think that all that being said, you know, one of the things that I thought I knew back on Thursday was that the bears would cover. Um, but it's a divisional game, right. And and it's the NFL, right. You know, like these games are going to be tough. No, no, no game is going to be easy, especially now that the lions are not the ones that are hunting, you know, the lions are the ones that are being hunted, you know, you know, the, the Bears can go down swinging. The, the bears can, can can throw the kitchen sink at Detroit. And they, again, like to Dan Campbell, the very first press conference, you know, you're gonna you're gonna hit us and you're gonna knock us down and we're gonna get up, and We're gonna be smiling and we're gonna be ready to, to take on the task at hand. And you know, I, I think the thing that's most impressive about this game, right, is one of the questions that we had coming into this game, coming into the past few weeks is how can this team respond if they're trailing and they need to score points in a hurry, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care what defense it is with the amount of time that was left on that clock. And with the situation that was at hand, the lions answered the bell, man, they, had, they answered they, the bell in a huge way. They had no margin for error. Zero, no, none. Zero. That, yeah.
2: and, and so, yeah, you, you, you not just, only do you, you, do you drive 70 yards twice, but you get a defensive stop, you get a three and out. And then and then listen, like I'm sure there were some people out there that were like me after the line score and be like, eh, it's kind of a lot of time. Justin Fields might have a something in him. Like they have a good kicker, there's 30 some seconds left. They got a timeout. I don't know. Shut the door immediately. Aiden Hutchinson, no. Nah. We're not we're not even <clears throat> gonna discuss overtime. It's over. And it, really it, it was it was a perfect game of football. For the Lions, for that past four four minutes and fifteen minutes, four minutes and fifteen seconds, Lions could have played it better.
1: I would say even before that too. Like if we want to talk about after the interception, and again, I, I know part of the story. And this, a lot of what we're saying isn't going to dismiss some of the criticisms we have about the defense or some of the way others people played in this game. But look at what the defense did do. I, I want to give at least some props to the defense because after I that, the, I
2: think the after, defense had a good game. Yes, after well, after the
1: touchdown where the Bears went up 20 to 14, they didn't allow them in the end zone again. Like even after another interception to give them another the 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 Bears another short field, they stood their ground out there. They stopped the bleeding. It was bend break for two possessions. And then force the three and out when they saw that the when when they got the answer from the offense, like they did what they needed to out there for 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 a full the entire fourth quarter. It was a completely different game for the defense as far as just stopping that bleeding.
2: They got back out there and they did they did good things. They did good. Things. I, I would argue I would argue the defense had an overall very good day. I know the tackling was bad. I know Justin Field had 100 yards rushing, but what else happened? What else did they do? What else were they successful at? Like Khalil outside Herbert, of, that, outside of that DJ Herbert, Dante thing. Foreman yeah. and Roshan Johnson had a combined 2.8 yards per carry. They did nothing on the day. And that and that turned out huge at the end, right? Mm-hmm. The Bears are trying to milk the clock. They're trying to run the ball away. It didn't work. They tried to run. And listen, the Bears made a lot of dumb coaching mistakes at the end of this game. They got uber conservative and and Bears fans are rightfully calling out Matt Aberflusk because it, it was not smart on their end, but listen, I think the line advantage of it took. They took advantage of it. They, they were put in horrible spots all game. The first two turnovers, the defense held them to zero points off those turnovers. Four turnovers on the day and you allow the bears to score 26 points. That's not a bad day for your defense. I'm sorry. It's not, I, I was impressed with the defense. I thought they were, you know, after that initial drive, I know everyone's freaking out after the initial drive. The Bears always seem to have a good scripted drive to start the game. Not much else the, the rest of the game. There really wasn't. And I know some people are going to be mad about some of the missed tackles. But if, if it weren't for the missed tackles and it weren't for some real ticky tacky calls that seem to extend some of those Bears drives, I think I think the Lions maybe would have had more control of this game than they did.
0: Okay, but don't wipe away Justin Fields' 18 carries for 104 yards. Don't do that. <laughs> Why? Jeremy, come on. And, and, I, and I know it's Justin
2: the, Fields, my friend, like he's going to do I, that to teams, but we have to I, play him again.
0: I know it is. But here's the thing is that he's owned three in those games that he's had
2: 100 yards against us.
0: OK, but there's a couple and there's one guy who's playing on Sunday night football right now who, you know, can run the ball pretty well for he's a not quarterback.
2: He's not
0: OK, Justin. I know he's not Justin Fields, but guess what? He has the second most rushing yards of any quarterback in the NFL. So. The, the thing is, the point, stand, don't take away the, don't, don't say, oh, the Lions didn't have a good run defense against the Panthers game and then wipe away Justin Fields 104 yards. Don't do that. That's silly. I, but I will. The, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so stupid. Listen, um, I, oh, sorry. Your point. You know what? Go on, Ryan. I'm sorry. The The thing about what I liked about the defense was that there was an adjustment. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, to Jeremy's point, like the bears came out, they had a bunch of scripted plays on the first drive. It it went well, right? I think as the game went on, because it certainly didn't seem like at the beginning of the game that the Lions were ready for anything when it came to any, any run options, you know what I mean? Like the edges were squeezing hard. The, the, the defense was really struggling in terms of stopping the run when it came to Justin Fields, making decisions, uh, running the football. Now, also to Jerry's point about Everfluss is like why they decided to throw the ball more than just run the football and keep doing what worked. Who knows? I don't know why you would go away from that, but that's also why that guy probably won't have a job in Chicago. Um, Come, you know,
1: I, I think he'll have this a job summer. next
0: year. Yeah. We'll Okay. Whatever. The point is, is for all the people who are kind of harping on Aaron Glenn, I think that you need to uh, need to see the forest for the trees. Okay. You need to see that there was an, there were adjustments that were made and this defense did uh, you know, it, it got things fixed over the course of the game. And, you know, I, again, I have concerns, everybody's concerns about how the lions can, you know, can contain and corral and stop mobile quarterbacks. That was certainly not set aside today by any means. Um, but I will say what was encouraging was that Aaron Glenn showed an ability and, and an aptitude to adjust. And, you know, I, I I think for the most part, it was a lot of. It was a lot of execution failure on the part of players on the defense, I, I think that. I, you know, the Lions brought an extra guy into the box and they brought line of scrimmage and Brian Branch made a crap ton of hugely impactful plays. Right. Kind of the, you know, uh, sort of Damocles, though. Right. I mean, there were some ticky tack, you know, holding calls and, and whatnot or whatsoever. But I think that for the most part, like Aaron Glenn made adjustments schematically. The Lions just struggled to execute a little bit. But when they needed it, they did it. And whatever. Who cares? Eight and two. Yeah. First time in I, 60 years. I
1: I, even the great football teams in the NFL lose bewildering games. The Lions show that they're great in that they didn't lose this game, overcame those shortcomings and didn't need to play a fantastic game. I really agree with Ryan, too, because ultimately at the end of the day, like I know Lions fans can criticize Aaron Glenn and he probably I I, I we will we'll talk about, you know, the whole defense later, but Aaron Glenn can't go out there and finish those tackles for them. He can't. That's that's ultimately what it comes down to on the point of execution.
2: Right. It, yeah. It did. It not like where the Chargers game maybe felt like there were some schematic problems against Justin Herbert. It did not feel like scheme was the problem today.
0: Right. Yeah. Agree. It was execution.
1: And you just work on that and try to bounce back and get charged up for Thanksgiving. And you know what we give on Thanksgiving? The gift of meat. And from us from here at Pride of Detroit to your family, we give you the gift of righteous felon craft jerky for it's the jerky that fueled your fuels, your Detroit lions. We've been lying to you. You know, the real reason Ryan for the, we, we know Ryan, you and me, we know the real reason for the lions comeback victory in this game. We know what Aaron Glenn ripped into in the middle of that game. Meat sticks, meat sticks and jerky and biltongs like Popeye, the sailor man out there, but with meat makes it even more manly. Righteous Felon cra- Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and you bet your, your bottom, they're they're smuggling that stuff into Ford field too. Each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 18 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams, because trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef and prides themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. And we're going to give you the gift of meat in 15% off. Go to RighteousFelon.com, use the promo code POD15 at checkout. You get 15% off your order. That's promo code POD at RighteousFelon.com. We're also in the midst of Movember, raising charity fund money for the Alzheimer's Association of Michigan. And we have uh, auctions going up here with some signed Lions memorabilia and fan and uh, fun paintings and all kinds of other fun stuff from here at Pride Detroit to benefit the Humane Society of Western Michigan. But coming up next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, now that our bellies are full with the J-Mo McFlurry double. And we'll see how long it stays down there. We're going to talk about, you know what? That's a great transition right there. We'll talk about the man himself and more standouts from this team that came back <laughs> two, oh, two scores down to stick it to the Bears. Be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Right, Detroit Podcast. I know a big story is going to come out of it. Uh, I want to talk more about the defense that Jeremy. I know Jeremy. You you had the take that this was actually a good game for the defense. I want to break that down a little bit, but I feel like we should probably start with the offense and talking about some of the standout players. Um, Also, talk about. Look, I don't think anyone wants to ever go out there and throw three interceptions. But as we were saying one of the strengths of Jared Goff is to put away the mistakes. Now in this one he didn't do quite the same job at it. But he still cleared out three interceptions from his head for those final drives to bring the Lions back into this and to go ahead. Like before those before those two touchdown drives, he had thrown an he had, uh, there had been uh I think at the start of the half, there had been four plays before a punt. There was the fumble. Jared Goff threw his third interception and then a three and out. And then somehow you were able to put all of that out of your head and go straight for two touchdown drives. I think any kind of talk of any kind of extension is beyond premature, but it's not, I mean, I don't say that as far as anything about his play at this point. And I, I promised I would stop praising Jared Goff because I think I, I don't want it going to go into Jared Goff's head. I don't know how he's listening to me. No one should you know, listen to me. Nobody is, should listen that is to me. that is nope. some ego if you think you're getting a Jared Goff. I'm not. Goff's I am not. Head. <laughs> I'm just saying, like with last podcast, the first time I really praised Jared Goff and this this happened. I'm just I, this is this is less about ego. This is little more about juju, Jeremy.
2: Yeah. I mean but I either
1: way, to to clear to clear it out and still do that, that's that's big time.
2: Yeah. I don't feel like we need to talk about Jared Goff too much. Like it was, no. it was a horrible day from him. Like even even if you're excusing some of the interceptions he did throw, he had bad enough throws where he probably should have had one or two more. And yeah, I, 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 it's it's not acceptable. Um, it, it it brought up some of the concerns that people have with him when it comes to pressure because a lot of those were done under pressure. Um, but. I don't think there's necessarily a long-term issue there because it does seem like that was more out of the ordinary. We we saw even in this game a couple times where he threw the ball away in pressure situations like he has been all year. And instead of forcing it into tight windows or windows that aren't even there, probably even got away with a uh, an intentional grounding that they didn't call. But either way, like horrible game from Jared Goff. But yes, you also give him some credit for what he did in the final five minutes as well.
1: Right. But I didn't want to talk about him that long because Ryan, Jameson Williams, Big time,
0: big time, right? Big time JMO. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I I don't know why you're asking me. You should ask this question to the guy who wrote about JMO leading into this week in the pride of Detroit direct, which you can subscribe to for 20% off. Um, you know, I, I, I think, um, you know, man, like, that's just the thing that this offense can do, right? If if given the opportunity, and he was given the opportunity, right, Jeremy? Like yeah. he's out there on the field. You know, I think the thing that everybody was talking about leading up to when J Mo came back was um time on task. Those were the buzzwords that just kind of sat around Jamison Williams. And, you know, now we now we, we We have a little momentum that we're building here with JMO, right? And things are trending in the right direction. And, you know, who knows if JMO will ever be the uh, focal point of this offense, right? As long as Amon Ross St. Brown exists, right? I I don't know how much Jameson Williams even kind of, you know, infringes on that territory. I, I think that's all neither here nor there. J-Mo also had a huge catch earlier in the game, too. Um, third down. Yep, big third down catch. I think uh I I was really happy to see that. You know what I mean? Like big moment, team needed him. He was there like yeah. m- multiple times. So, you know, uh also, you know, Jared Goff making that throw, you know, not not saying that there was anything special about it. I mean, J Mo had enough separation from, from the safety that was back there. That, you know, it shouldn't have been an issue regardless, but uh, it, it's good to see. You know what I mean? It just in in terms of contrast to where we where we were a few weeks ago against Baltimore. Right. Like, I, I don't know if there could have been a worse game or a less encouraging game that we could have seen from from that week to to kind of where we are now. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm really happy for him and it, it can only mean good things. Right.
2: Yeah. And honestly, like I think what was most encouraging for me is the way they're continuing to use him. Because a lot of times they're lining him up with Amon Aran's, like almost stacked behind each other. And if that's like what do you even do in that situation you, you, defensively? You gotta make a decision.
0: You, you gotta, gotta make, make, a, make a decision. They puts
2: so much stress on the opposing safety because listen, I, I think I, I there there was a point in this game where I almost felt like Jared Goff was was using Amon Rat a little bit too much as a security blanket. Oh yeah. And it, it almost raised those concerns that, that, you know, they used to have with Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson, where it's like, is Calvin Johnson actually bad for Matthew Stafford because he only looks his direction? But I think I think the touchdown is a perfect example. Those two were stacked. And 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 then you have basically Amon Ra get, getting that safety to close down on him, opening a, a, a big alley for, for uh, I almost called him Calvin for, for Jameson. And yeah, that sort of like one now that I think the Lions have that sort of trust in Jamo. He's out there. I mean, I have to imagine he he set another career high in terms of percentage of snaps. He was out there all the time, including obviously on those final two drives. Um, the production is going to come. And I, I, I know I predicted over 100 yards in this game. But listen, now he's had two incredibly important touchdowns for this team. The one in Tampa. That really helped put that one a game that game away and the big chunk yardage that they needed in this one to have those two scores come quickly at the end of the game so yeah it it's coming it it continues to look better and better and better and it's not perfect you know they had another deep shot to JMO where was looking inside the balls outside uh it didn't it didn't work but I, I i only think it's it's really an upward trajectory for this this duo and uh, i'm excited to see where it goes
1: It wasn't the same day for the rushing offense that we've seen in past days, but neither Gibbs nor Montgomery, I think broke a hundred yards from scrimmage. They came very close to it. And I think the, the, that Jameer Gibbs still once again, stacking another impressive game, perfect on receptions and really just really breaking out against what is a
2: very good run defense, Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, I I think we have to talk about David Montgomery if we're going to talk running back. Because obviously a very important game for him going against his former team. He downplayed it all, all week. He downplayed it after the game, but his teammates pretty much said like, yeah, we knew this was a big one for him. So we were going to do everything we can to get him the ball and get him. And and listen, it was a pretty quiet day for him for for the first three quarters. But again, that final drive, he had 45 yards of it between receptions and and, and rushing. Not to mention, obviously, the, the game winning score at the end. And yeah, like, you know, Colby Sorzel is obviously filling in for Jonah Jackson in this game. And, and the Lions, I think, had the Bears kind of on their heels running the ball. 22 carries for 115 yards and 5-2 a carry and two touchdowns. This Bears defense had allowed five rushing touchdowns all season, and the Lions got two of them. The confidence in the Lions late game
1: on that final drive to still hand the ball to Jameer yeah. Gibbs to get it to the goal line. And then again, for Montgomery to keep trusting, even with about, what was it, 25 seconds, 30 seconds, Ryan, 40 seconds to go and still say these guys are still going to get us yards. They're not going to just get flattened and stop the stop the drive like that. That takes incredible trust with no timeouts left. And, you know, you need to burn some clock, but it can easily go against you to still trust those that duo to just keep slamming into this Bears defense and just keep pushing them back and back and back. It, it, yeah. it really shows the confidence the Lions have found in their run game.
0: Yeah, uh, nobody knew how much time was left on the clock because the Fox producers were in hell. And uh, no. they, they, they couldn't. <laughs> uh, the, the game clock was like it was glitching all like all game long, all game long. and then yeah. it was, it was glitching hard at the end of the game. So the only thing that you saw was the game clock that was taking down uh, or sorry, the play clock that was taking down. But um, you know, I, I think uh, the, yeah, Montgomery, I mean the, the touchdown that he scores at the end of the game. Um, I mean, you could see just how amped he was, right? Like not only you're putting your team ahead, but you're also doing it against your former team and, I think that, you know, that was kind of the uh the cherry on top. Um can can we talk about the third quarter or are we just not gonna we're not gonna talk about that because um it was it was honestly one of the most frustrating points of of watching the game. And I I mean that I think that's saying a lot considering the the interceptions that Jared Goff threw and the interceptions he almost threw. But coming out of the break, you know, the Lions are up 10 at halftime with the ball. I, I was feeling pretty good. You know what I mean? 14-10 going into halftime. They come out. What do they do on the very first play? David Montgomery rips off a 20-yard run. Uh, you know, on second and 10. The 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 infamous second and 10 run. David Montgomery, 8 yards. Third and 2, Jared Goff sacked for a 5-yard loss. Yeah. Um it really felt like the Lions missed an opportunity to control the clock and that was something they hadn't done at all in the first half right like it was the bears offense out there against the lions defense for the majority of the half and it felt like an opportunity for the lions to while up while up 14 10 to say here's how we're going to play the football game for the rest of the game we're going to play it on our terms right and here's what needed to happen on third and two i don't have a huge issue with calling a pass. I really don't because the Lions are at, um, they're at the the Chicago 47, right? right? Like they're on the other side of the field. Third and two, you want to call a deep shot? Go for it. Go for it. You just ripped off two big runs. Take your shot. By the same token, it's a terrible sack for Jared Goff to take because then it forces what the Lions have to do because all of a sudden they're on the their own side of the field. And and that was one of the most frustrating sequences because it felt like an opportunity where the lions really squandered a chance to put a stranglehold in this game. Cause we've seen those drives from them before, right? Jeremy, like the, the the drive that comes to mind is the beginning of the fourth quarter of the Packers game, right? Like, Hey, you know, the Packers have a little bit of momentum. What are the lions going to do? Oh, a nine minute drive to snuff you out and leave any chance of you winning this football game in the rearview mirror. The Lions didn't have that. They didn't have that death blow that they could have had. The Lions got
1: dominated on the Bears had that nine minute drive in the fourth quarter. The the Bears had 40 minutes, 40 and a half minutes of possession time in this game.
0: But that wouldn't have happened if that first drive in the, you know, in the start of the second half, the Lions could have just worked their way down the field. And think about that. If the Lions score on that drive, it's a 21 21 to 10 game. Yeah. You know the, what I mean? The, yeah, you're right. And I like
2: Goff took a couple bad sacks in this game. Like that I, I think his bad game goes beyond the interception zone. He, you know, one of the one of I think the was it it was a fourth quarter, right? The fourth quarter drive, they had a three and out because Jared Goff took a, a sack on a on a rollout. But yeah, I don't know. I I, the, I don't oh know. My gosh. The Roll rolling right. out to Montez sweat side too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh but I don't know. I mean the, the Lions persevered. Um, I I don't think I have much more to say about the offense. We we know it's a bad no, day we, from Jared Goff. We know the third quarter is frustrating. We know the offensive line was still mostly good, even though the Bears turned up the pressure, which is something they don't normally do. I think that maybe caught them a little bit off guard.
0: The Bears don't blitz a lot, but they sure did in this game. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean that that's what that's what led to that sack on third and two. The yeah. the Bears sent an extra defender, and yep,
1: yeah. I don't want to hear Bears fans say this game doesn't mean anything to the Bears and that Lions aren't real uh, rivals because clearly the Bears threw everything at the Lions for this game because this was their Super Bowl as far as I'm concerned. But to move over to the defense, to move over to the defense. Yeah, I just want to repeat that time of possession stat again that the Bears held the ball for 40 minutes, 24 seconds in this game, which means that as we look on the defense, Jeremy, I think one thing to talk about is just how long the defense had to stand on their head or this game. That is a yeah. long time for them to be out there. They, the Bears put together long methodical drives, five minutes, five minutes, seven and a half, uh, seven and a half minutes for a field goal. Another six minutes coming into the second half. Three minutes later there, I, I that last field goal was like almost nine minutes out there. So I know we're going to talk about some of the things that the defense is struggling with. And again, you think it's a good game. And I think you might be onto something just on the very fact that that's a long ass time for a defense to be out there catching their breath and trying to stop the bleeding from from an offense that is throwing everything they can at
2: them. But the offense really was only throwing one thing at them, and it was Justin Fields Justin Fields, And that's that's a really hard thing to stop because they mostly stopped everything else. He didn't really beat them with their arm very often. He had one big play to to DJ Moore. That, that was, I mean, that that's kind of a tip-your-hat play. It wasn't perfect yeah. coverage by any means, but it was an absolutely perfect throw. And we, we saw that, that he's not capable of making those consistently, right? Because he had a deep shot. He had an open receiver at the very end of the game. Didn't hit him. Would have been a hell of a those. throw there.
0: You had a few of those, the overthrows, where yeah. it, they weren't necessarily open receivers. Right. You know what I mean? There, it, it, wasn't, it didn't, it didn't yeah. seem like there was a busted coverage today. No, it, it didn't seem like a
2: Tampa Bay game. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I don't know. I look at this, like, 4.7 yards per play for Chicago, 5.7 for Detroit.
0: That You take that. You Dude, take that. Is, and, the, the stats just don't tell the story of this game, though, for some reason. You know what I mean? Well, I, 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 honestly...
2: I think I think this game looks a lot different defensively if, if they aren't kind of screwed over by some of these drive extending penalties. And and this isn't about this isn't me about to getting on, on my soapbox about automatic first downs on third and longs. But at the same time, I know, time, but that one was kind of so dumb. you are it was though. so stupid. It, it was so the, dumb. You you got into several situations where the Lions should have gotten off the field. 30, you, you had a goal line stop that got reset because of, of a bad penalty. The defense constantly put themselves in good positions to get off the field. And whether it was Justin Fields working his magic, DJ Moore breaking 18 tackles to get a first down or a bad call, it didn't happen. But if I think if you stretch that game to eight quarters to 12, like they get off the field so much more than they did in this game. And so that's why, like on a down to down basis, I thought they were fine in this game. I really did. And I know that, I know there are going to be people to disagree. I know there are going to be people that are ripping their hair out about mobile quarterbacks and you're not wrong, but at the same time, I just, I think the lions managed this game pretty darn well, all things considered defensively all, you know, the fact that they were constantly starting on their own side of the field, the fact that they were victimized by bad penalty. Like we should also point out, they held teams to field goals in that fourth quarter, which turned out to be absolutely essential to them winning that football game. And they get the game-winning turnover. I don't yeah. know. I, and 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 can we can we talk about Brian I, I Branch? Think, I think it's just. I think it's just. Well, let's get to Brian
1: Branch second. But like, just real quick, the only thing I want to add to that is that I think it's just the start they got off to, right? Because I saw Lions yep. fans and and some Lions media saying that this is now six straight consecutive drives that they've given up a touchdown. Great. The bears are coming out with a script on the first one and B, like, what are we doing carrying over drives per game? But I think that it, a lot of the frustration, I think Jeremy came from basically holdover frustration from the chargers game. And it just, it kept continuing from there. So I think you're, you're to something, but I think how the Lions got started ultimately tainted anyone's vision of talking about the defense. And then, yeah, they just see missed tackles and plays just not being finished up. But yes, let, let's please talk about Brian Branch. He had a couple of, you know, bad penalties on him. But uh, once again, the man is teleporting around the field and
2: continues to just, what? Three damn tackles for loss. <laughs> like he, he was, he, he was part of the reason that they were at times able to to keep Justin Fields in check. He is a big reason why the running backs couldn't do a dang thing all game. Bringing him to the line, it, it's really interesting what they've done over the last couple of weeks, which is take Tracy Walker completely off the field, have Brian Branch basically in as a fourth linebacker or even sometimes on the defensive line and just trust Kirby Joseph as the one deep safety it kind of worked in this game. I, I thought Kirby wasn't great in this game. I think there were a couple times where he was late to get to, to some deep shops, but it's almost DJ worth it Moore because, touchdown. Yeah, and it's almost worth it though because because Brian Branch is just running all over the dang place. He, he almost had an interception too, where he just had absolutely perfect coverage on DJ Moore. I a lot of people were were questioning what was going on with Brian Branch. Why wasn't he making as many plays as he used to? Is he still injured? I think this put everything to bed. Like that guy is still a, a playmaker on defense and uh, on
0: a defense. that doesn't have a ton of playmakers. Well, and, and speaking of playmakers too, like Cam Sutton making a play when the lions absolutely needed it, you know, um, you know, running up in, in zone coverage and making that peanut punch as a uh, Charles Tillman would have, uh, would have done in years past. But I, I think the thing that's, um, can we talk about the linebackers? Because I think that that was the area of concern for Detroit's defense. On, Depends on what Sunday. you're talking about. Um, we can talk about Jack Campbell. Yeah, I think we uh, should we have a tough conversation about Jack Campbell. Sure. I, I think I think we need I think a, it, we would all benefit from a, a rewatch. But I, I think you know from from first glance, um, there was a lot of over pursuit. There was a lot of um, you know getting twisted and turned around. Um, you know, there, there, there are some missed tackles. There are some opportunities that it, it, you know, I, I don't want to put it all on Jack Campbell. Um, cause I think that, you know, I, I think there were spots where kind of all the linebackers, um, had a moment of, oh man, like that could have been a play or that could have been a play or that could have been a play. And, It was it was a little reminiscent, in my opinion, of some of the stuff that happened in the Ravens game. You know what I mean? Where, oh, there was a there was a play where, oh, you could have made that on Lamar. And all of a sudden the Ravens would have been behind the sticks. And somehow the somehow the ball carrier ended up four, five, six yards past the line of scrimmage. And it's it, it. I get it. Right. And I think that's your point, Jeremy, where it's like. You know, some people might hear, "Oh, the 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 defense wasn't that." Bad. How can you say that they weren't that bad? Like, they, there were so many frustrating plays like that. Um, but I, I, I think that again, you know, hopefully that's something that they can just clean up. But it's a quick turnaround. Thursday. You just time hope to end that the Packers seen,
1: season. I was going to say, you, you hope that you've seen the Packers before, but
2: I think that's a good jumping off point. You want to take a break and then talk about what we expect for. Thanks. Can, can, yeah. can I quickly talk about Alex Anzalone? Because I thought he was fantastic again. Once again, he's fantastic.
1: It almost feels like talking about St. Brown at this point. It's like, what else can I say that I haven't said already about
2: Anzalone? Career high, 15 tackles. Again, he looks the thing that 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 strikes me is his coverage abilities. He's continuing to be just like an absolute beast. He he's right there on a third down and, and four. He makes a tackle after two yards. Another deep shot to either tight end or running back. He's right there in perfect coverage. The the tackling isn't perfect, but he's also continuing to be kind of a monster when it comes to pass rush and blitzing. So And he's right now. Yeah. Brian Branch and Alex Anzalone, I think, continue to be two of the best players on this team's defense, and, and that is including Aiden Hutchinson.
1: I'm not sure what to what to do with that. Like, Aiden Hutchinson feels like he is just, it's always a step behind from really finishing up a play. And he seems to be the focal point of every team to stop Aiden Hutchinson
0: from making those plays. He finally got one today. Did, pretty big one. He, he, yeah, he called game. Um, I also really don't like... um you know, throwing your arms up in the air for a holding call as you're in pursuit of the ball carrier. Um, maybe don't do that, but maybe put those to use. Yeah. He's, he's, he, he has a right to be frustrated over the past, I don't know, month and a half where yeah, he's just, yes. he can't draw a freaking flag. Uh, no arguments against that by <laughs> by any means. Um, but oh, dude, also, hey, you know who I thought had a great game too? Uh, real quick, Ali McNeil. Yep. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> but there came was, right up the middle again. There was there was a play where, I mean, he got some serious push and he had a QB hit on Justin Fields that I don't know. I thought Justin Fields might take a trip to the blue tent because of the way that his head hit the uh, turf. But, uh, you know, Aleem, I mean, he's just such an important part of, of the middle of that defense. And I think a lot of people were kind of scratching their heads when they saw the inactives for this game where it was like, oh, man, no, no Levi, no Broderick Martin. You know the Lions. What the practice squad? What are what are they doing here? Like, you know, a little bit of a method to the madness, I think. And yeah. uh, I think I think they knew what they were up against.
1: Yep. Last thing I will add to this, by the way, um, the very last thing that I think we we will probably say about the Bears game before looking ahead to what this game means and everything else. Um, and I, I love going to our old friend, Mansoor Shaheen, who compiled these excellent stats of uh, Justin Field dancing on the Lions D, which everyone was very happy to see after that was the when the Bears went up, I believe, 23 to 14. And after that, Bears get five yards in the next three plays field, uh, and a field goal. Lions go 75 yard touchdown, Bears three and out one yard. 11 pl- lions 11 plays 73 yards touchdown Bears minus 25 yards safety Don't dance don't dance on us God I hate the bears God I hate the
0: bears Coming could I, up next could I, could I that? suggest that could I suggest that we own the bears you can suggest that
2: we own the, we own the NFC north seven in a row against the north is that right
0: shall
1: we talk about trying to make it eight in the row?
0: I'll I'll have to to, to fact check this, but I I saw that Ryan Poles is 0-9 against the NFC North after saying that he would take it and never let it go. Curious.
1: Very curious. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, the Packers, and maybe the timetable on a particular man who was very, very excited to see the Lions win this game. All that and more and looking around the rest of the NFC playoff picture as we return in just a moment on the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Right. A Detroit POD cast. Let me start with a simple question that I can ask you guys that I think has deeper connotations to it, but I think I know where a lot of the discussion about the Detroit lions are going to come after a game where they needed a fourth quarter rally to beat a three and seven Chicago bears team, which again, we, I feel like on this podcast, I think, you know, which way we're going to go with this. We've laid out all the reasons for it, but nevertheless. Let me ask the question, as you look at the Lions right now, do you feel better or worse about the Detroit Lions as they look down the rest of the schedule, seeing that they may have had some more flaws poke out, but ultimately came away with this as a win? I
2: don't know about you, Ryan. I don't feel changed at all. This game played out relatively how I expected. I expected a close game. I expected a hard fought game. I didn't expect the Lions to need 14 points in the in the last two minutes or three minutes or whatever to, to win it, but I don't I don't think anything that happened today was completely strange or out of the ordinary, other than a weird Jared Goff performance. I think I think anytime you turn the ball over four times, which is something this team doesn't typically do, you're gonna have a tough time. So I in terms of the turnovers, in terms of Jared Goff, I have no reason to believe that is something that will be a lingering issue. And then offensively, they made plays when they needed to. And so I I don't feel any better. I don't feel any worse after this game. I think I think I feel I mean, I guess I feel better because the lines are on the other side of another win. They're eight and two instead of seven and three. That alone makes me feel a little bit better because I do think the Vikings are going to keep pace with the lines, especially the way. Sunday night football is currently going, but if you're listening to this on Monday and the Vikings lost, well then point and laugh at me. Tweet at Ignore me. And me. Say, Haha. Point
0: Just tweet at me the Nelson gif tomorrow morning. That's fine. That seems fair. <clears throat> I, I think to your point, Jeremy, I think there were some expectations that I had going into this game where I wanted to see the lions um, better prepared from the jump in terms of, you know, you know, Justin Fields is going to be opposite of you. You know what to expect. It's not the first time that you've gone up against him. And I think that was a little deflating and that kind of set the tone for the game. But, you know, back to my earlier point, the Lions were up 14, 10 at halftime. They came out of the, they came out of the half. They looked like they were, you know um, you know, they, they looked like they were barreling towards controlling the football game. And then they weren't. And I think that's where, I think that's where a lot of the, pain and concern kind of boiled and festered. You know what I mean? Like that stretch from, you know, the lions having to punt that football away to the things that happened afterwards. Right. Cause if, if I can kind of like, uh, you know, call your attention back to what happened after it was punt and then it was the Craig Reynolds fumble. And then it was the Jared Goff interception. And then it was a punt and it felt like, Oh my gosh, like this is the thing. These are the things that we did not want to see. But at the end of the day, you know, coming out with a win is huge. Like you said, I, I, I guess <clears throat> because people had loftier expectations and and uh, f- I for sure did not. You know what I mean? Like I thought this would be a closer game. I just didn't think to your point, Jeremy, that it was going to be a game that required the Lions to score 17 points in the fourth quarter to come out and, and pull this game out of there. You know what? Right. And And I think that's the point of frustration that you have with this game. But I, I don't want to sound spoiled or entitled like, you know, Teddy will be growing up a Lions fan who has never known pain and suffering. Lions right. um, are six, 16 and four in their last 20. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All he knows is privilege, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, and
1: I keep trying to iterate this, 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 this thing to Lions fans. Look around the rest of the NFL. The Philadelphia Eagles' lone loss comes to the New York Jets. Far, far post- Aaron Rodgers. The Kansas City Chiefs lost the Denver Broncos, who we're trying to see whether or not if the uh, if the Broncos are frauds or if they can maybe turn this around. They still do have a good defense, but still, like, perfectly flawed team. There, the Baltimore Ravens lost to the Steelers somehow, and the Colts somehow. This is what happens in the NFL. I know we're all kind of new to this, but like. I, I really do believe that each game is really self-contained because the words any given Sunday are not just mere words that people throw around and demanding perfection out of a team is going to be demanding something that you're just not going to really get. Are there lessons to take away from this? Sure. We laid out plenty of them. On the other hand, it it feels like this team still like they're, they're, they're eight and two. All right. They're, they're eight and two. Same, uh, you know, up 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 there with, you know, if the Eagles take a loss on on uh, Monday night, they'll be tied with the I mean, tied tiebreaker goes to Philadelphia because both their losses would be to AFC teams. But still, that's where we're talking with the NFC right now. Like we're talking top seeding. At some point, this team will lose again before the end of the year. But right now, they it's another big win to keep pace to continue to assert dominance in the NFC North. And like, I don't, I, I just don't see the imminent collapse. I think we're still thinking in older terms, right? Ryan in older, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop mentality for a lot of this team. And I hate to make it sound like I've got some ontology as far as like, this team is different from the past and old and any kind of other catchphrases, but this is what happens with good teams. You get other teams throwing their best at you, especially in the division. One of my friends who's a Cowboys fan was saying, like, the Cowboys could be 16-0 and and he would still fear the Washington Commanders game at the end of the year because divisional opponents are supposed to do this to you. And they, like, look, Justin Field, they brought Justin Beals back for this game. Clearly, there was some investment to try to win this game. And I think for the Packers coming off of a win, there's going to be some investment for them to go into Detroit on Thanksgiving on a short week and try to spoil the holiday for the Lions. And the Lions have to be ready for
2: it. I mean, the Lions have four divisional games left, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy sledding no matter what each of those teams' records are. Because I think each of those teams are showing a little bit of promise in in whatever ways they are. You know, the, the Packers just beat the Chargers. The bears are not going to be any easier on soldier field. And we all know what the Vikings are doing right now. They're on again, laugh. Send me Nelson gifts. If, if they're not still on a winning streak by the time you're hearing this, but we know they're dangerous. Um, and so I, I, you know, the lines that here's the base, the basic point here, though, the lines are eight and two. They're in a fantastic position so that even if they drop one, two, maybe even three games out of the remaining, what do we got? left? seven. 7. They're yeah. still I mean they're going to make the playoffs. They're probably still going to win the division if they go 4 and 3 in the final 7, they're still probably going to win the division.
0: <laughs> they're still a 12 and 5
2: football team. Right. Which yeah. is what I predicted and and felt weird predicting. They're still in a really really good position and and we can worry about what this performance means for the playoffs because here's what it means for the playoffs. Nothing. Like like Chris said, each game is self-contained. The lines could be a completely different Sunday, team man. defensively. By the time January hits, they could be a different team offensively. Injuries could happen, whatever. So whatever happens today, if you want to complain about the defensive performance, if you want to complain about Jared Goff, go for it. But it doesn't mean anything going forward. Doesn't mean anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a football team that could have C.J. Gardner-Johnson back in its secondary. Hey, um, there's my next point. So C.J. But- was turned up
1: for this, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I want to get to that, but I think the the thing I want to talk about, right. Is is Thursday, right. There's a quick turnaround for this team. Right. I mean, it's, I mean, from the time you're listening to this, the lions play football in 72 hours. You know what I mean? So um, I, I almost feel like it's a good spot for the lions to be in where they have this game. That's just, you know, absolutely chaotic. And they, they pull out a miraculous victory. And then guess what? you don't even have time to celebrate, right? There there's no victory Monday. It's we're getting right back on that horse and we're going right back to work because the Packers are coming to town and the Packers aren't out of it by any means. I'm not saying for the division, but like they're playoff hunting. No. And even if they they weren't, they'd still want to play spoiler too. Sure. But I mean, whether or not the playoffs are realistic for them or not, I mean, they're, they're an eighth right now in the NFC, they're four and six you know, the, the Seahawks just lost a game. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Vikings. There, there's a seventh seed that's going to be available and they could be playing for that. Right. Like it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy, but also, I mean, like Aaron Jones got hurt in the game today and he left. Um, so I mean, maybe the Packers are down another important skill position player, but, um, you know, again, I think this kind of goes back to the 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 game today that Lions played. It feels like a lot of people's expectations will still be Lions should run over the Packers. They did it already once. They're a better football team than them. I, I, all that stuff goes out the window. You know what I mean? It, it's a the point that you're making, Chris. Right? It's a it's another divisional game, and it's going to be hotly contested.
1: And on top of all of that. On top on top of that as well, if you want to talk about an important lesson coming out of the game, it's really something I didn't get to earlier, was we almost from the crowd itself, I was wondering how the crowd, how the Lions fans would react if they were botching a game up that bad in Ford Field. And the booze did come out for Jared Goff around his third interception. But that crowd got back into it real quick, real quick when it looked like the Lions had a shot
2: in this game. Honestly, the loudest I've seen it all season. It was pretty quiet all game, but towards the end, I, I don't know if I Ooh. heard it that loud all season. And so, yeah. I mean, and that just shows you the passion of the fans in both directions, right? Like, I was frustrated by the time Jared Goff, I, I think the loudest the booze got was when Jared Goff almost threw that fourth interception when he was, when Sam Laporta cut inside and he threw it outside and, and, and it resulted in a three and out. But, mm-hmm. but listen, this, this team, the, as someone put in the, in the post game um, press conference, it just shows the level, the bar, how much the bar has been raised. That one bad performance suddenly brings out the boo birds because we expect more than this team. We expect more out of a divisional game. We expect more out of a seven and two team to take it to a bears team. That was three and seven. Now that's three and eight. That's, that's not wrong. I, I don't, I don't, I don't love booing in general, but I don't blame Lions fans for booing at the time. And I don't blame them for getting as loud as they were when they needed right. to. Right. I'm not blaming them either,
1: but I'm saying it's the full spectrum of emotion. Right. And it was, I, I wanted to see what happened to the Lions fans with that spectrum of emotion. If it got bad, Ryan, <clears throat> and what would happen if they needed to come back into it. And like survey says, they came right back into it, which is good. So I think the Packers will give you quite a bit. Um, I'm not sure how it will go. I mean, obviously we've seen them beat the Packers in Lambeau before, but it's hard to beat a team twice to multiple times in a season. Like it's just, that's how, that's why division games are so tough because you see each other so much.
2: And they, I mean, the Packers just hung 500 yards on the chargers and that's exactly what the lions did to the Chargers the previous week too. Right. So they're starting to to hit a little bit of a stride there. And that's, the when the schedule came out that's that's why i was concerned a little bit about the bears game a little bit about the packers game is because they're coming late in the season those are two really young teams and what happens to really young teams in december they get better we saw it here in detroit like last the lions in Detroit, two years ago and so you you're you're not catching these teams at their their most youthful you're not catching them at their most nascent stages i like using that word for whatever on the on a podcast but like now, now they're getting better. The division is getting better. These aren't going to be cakewalks and it's, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's fine that they're going to be harder. It's fine that the lines might drop one or two of them. It's okay. Cause they've built enough through the first 10 games. It, th- this is the benefit of going on a streak the way the, the Lions did.
0: Yeah. It, you know, maybe, maybe while, while winning certainly is nice. Lions got out of this game without any major injuries. You know what I mean? Especially on a short week. Yeah. You never really know. Until the day
2: after, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know St. Brown was a little shaken up late in the game, but we'll see how he troops that. Speaking of injury, though, speaking maybe on the opposite side of that, of reinforcement, we are now starting to look down the barrel of a potential return for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Who was on a stream today, just going absolutely nuts? And uh, what was the quote, Jeremy? He's like, "Be ready,
2: two to three uh, weeks." Yeah, well, he's he's telling the Bears to get their s together. I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep this a PG podcast, but he says, "Yeah, oh. he's he says I'll be back." Y'all got two weeks to get y'all s together. Three weeks to get all y'all s together. And so he's talking to the Bears. Obviously, the Lions face the Bears in three weeks. And, and he seems to be implying that he might be ready by then. Although this I, is a really I, tough, I do think this that, is a really that takes jump some jumps in logic of, of what he actually said. Okay. So he hasn't, he, here's the thing that you need to know. Has not returned to the practice field. Is not, I haven't even seen him in, you know, working with trainers or anything like that. That's not to say it's not happening, but he's not doing it during practice. But it, it's certainly possible that he comes back. I, I think two, three weeks is probably not going to happen. I think that's, I mean, usually you'd, you'd start seeing him practicing by now. And, and CJ Gardner Johnson is a guy that probably doesn't need a ton of practice to get out there. He's a veteran. He knows the system well, whatever. But like physically he's got to, he's got to get in football shape again. Right. And that sort of thing, the lines like to take a couple of weeks. And so the fact that he's not even out there yet, I think, I think people are like, oh, he's going to be there by, you know, whatever game, both Minnesota games. Uh, I think maybe he plays one or two regular season games. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Could be, could
1: just be that they just don't, they'll either get him back for the playoffs. Or they just will have to just wait till,
2: till 2024 on him. Well, hopefully not that. Cause we don't even know if he's going to be in lines uniform in 2024. Yeah, and then like James Houston too. James Houston is a guy who was on the practice field this week. You know, Dan Campbell kind of shot down ideas that he might be ready anytime soon too. He said, you know, late December, but. Could certainly use him out there. I mean, there there are some quote unquote reinforcements coming on defense, whether it is C.J. Gardner-Johnson or James Houston or Bruce Irvin, Bruce Irvin. Um, who I I don't know, I don't know if it what's a realistic timeline for him. He could he could be ready as as soon as Thursday. uh If I had to guess, maybe they wait another week. Um, but but we'll see. I mean, there there are some players coming back. Um. And, and so I, I think there's reason to to be optimistic. The Lions are, are still a relatively healthy team. Again, knocking on wood that nothing happened behind the scenes on, on Sunday. But I don't know. I feel pretty good about the team right now. We got this all knocked down. Final word. I, th- I think so. Yeah. Well, we did forget one thing. Was that we own the Bears. It's true. I thought I thought you were going to John us because we haven't done that in a really long time. Oh God, no! Please let <laughs> let's let's not let's let's leave that part of the
1: podcast uh, squarely uh, in the uh, past. Burp, burp, burp. All right. Uh, once again, it's still Movember. We're going to have the marathon stream here after the holiday in on no- uh, December fifth. Charities run until then. Stop by Twitch.tv/slash Pride Detroit. Find out more on how you can donate through Tiltify. Uh, to the Alzheimer's Association of Michigan, and visit PrideToDetroit to find out more about the. Uh, to learn more, would you like to know more? Would you like to know more about the auctions for the Humane Society of Western Michigan as well? Uh, do we have any more on some of the uh, Lions memorabilia that's going to go up for auction, Jeremy?
2: Yes, we do. Uh, a Jared Goff signed football, an Aiden Hutchinson signed football. Amina Kimes water painting of, of, of Panay Sewell's catch against the Vikings last year and more much more until that time.
1: I hope you guys all have a great Thanksgiving. Probably talk to you in the middle of the week, right? Jeremy,
2: do we have a mailbag or no midweek mailbag coming this week, but we are doing a first bite Tuesday night. Fun.
1: And we'll see you back. I'll try to do a post game on Thanksgiving because I work Thanksgiving anyway. And we'll see you back next time on PODcast to talk about that and so much more around the NFC. Not just the NFC North, the NFC. That's what we're talking right now. Breathe it in. At Ryan underscore POD, at Detroit Online, at Chris Perfett. We'll see you starside.